welcome. Well, you're at home with Jim and Joy, and you are an important part of our EWTN family. And we're so delighted that you have welcomed us into your home. You know, we would love to hear from you. So send us an email with a question or a comment to jimandjoy at EWTN.com and check us out on Facebook. Well, today we have the national observance of Dr. Martin Luther King. And so because of that, we put out a question and it goes like this. How does the life, teaching, and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King address our current culture, our relationships, and time? And we certainly got a great response from people. Yeah. And um, well, It's an important show to do because... You know, it's it's been so since 1968 mm -hmm. that he was assassinated, and you'd be surprised how many people just know the name and don't really know anything about him. Right. And that seems to be waning a little bit to me. It is. But be, you know, just and so we want to speak to hopefully Albita King about this. Yes. Well, and also in the celebration of everything that is good and true and beautiful. We celebrated our granddaughter, Gabby. She was our first granddaughter to graduate college. Now, Gabby in that picture is with Sophia and Sienna and RJ, her two sisters and her brother. Gabby went to West Alabama, yes. where our son Wesley went also, and she went to that school and visited and fell in love with it, and she decided to go there. And there she is with her mother and father, Anna and Nato. And we are very proud of Gabby. Um, because Gabby got, she got to speak with Dr. Alveda King when you worked with Priests for Life with Father Frank Pavone. that's one of the Frank reasons Pavone. we could have spoken about Gabby's graduation a few weeks ago. But, yeah, at an early age, maybe she was a teenager, and uh, I was working with Alveda King mm -hmm. at Priests for Life, and uh, I said, would you speak to my granddaughter, Gabby? And so they got to share, and, mm -hmm. and Alveda was just fantastic with her and uh, a real influence in her life. And mm -hmm. Gabby has dedicated herself, as we have dedicated ourselves, to the work of racial reconciliation mm -hmm. in our nation. And a lot of work still to be done and continues, but we are hopeful. Um, and so Gabby's very involved with that. She's received a degree from the university there, a lot with athletics and training and, and running businesses and so on. But she also works in the summertime at our mm -hmm. Pregnancy Medical Center, Her Choice Birmingham Women's Center. Of course, right. Albita King is so big in racial reconciliation, the sanctity of the human person, which is the basis both of racial reconciliation and, and uh, abortion. Right. That, that we From got the to moment of conception. Yep. Right. right. And so that influenced Gabby. And I thought it was nice if we have Albita on today yeah. that, that Albita does know Gabby. Gabby knows Albita. And uh, it's another person that Albita King has had a great influence on. Right, and you know, at the Pregnancy Resource Center, Gabby, one of the things that you got to see firsthand was the clients who are coming in, 80% of our clients are African-American, and then 20% of that 80% are choosing to have an abortion. And so in New York, more African-American babies are being aborted than are being born. And I know that Dr. Alveda King is going to talk to us about that and enlighten us because we think that um, th this is the greatest civil rights movement of our day. It really is. The, the attack upon humanity, especially the African-American community. And we as a people of God, we need to speak up. We need to tell the truth for what it really is. And when we sit, when I sit with the clients and I tell them that, they're like, what? What are you saying? They don't believe it, but it's true because we think abortion is health care, but it's not. That's another lie from the pit of hell. Did we have a quote that we wanted to show? We did. There was a quote there from uh, okay. Ronald Reagan, well, I, I, I believe. Okay. 
bring there up it is. Reagan quote on Martin Luther King Day when that was established. Dr. King's work is not done, but neither is his witness stilled. He urged again and again that all of us come to love and befriend one another, to live in brotherhood and reconciliation, to nourish each and every individual's dignity and self-respect. We must reaffirm in every generation the lessons of justice and charity that Dr. King taught with his unflinching determination, his complete confidence in the redeeming power of love and his utter willingness to suffer, to sacrifice, and to serve President mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan in his proclamation of Martin Luther King Day as a holiday. Powerful statement. We'll be right back. Plenty more to come. Don't go away. Welcome back. Well, you can email your questions to at, to Jim and Joy at EWTN.com and check us out on Facebook. So this was the question. How mm -hmm. does the life teaching and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. address our current culture, relationships, and time? And this was the question that we put out there. And we're going to have on Dr. Alveda King, who is an author an evangelist, a civil rights leader, and an advocate for the unborn. She is also the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King, who, beautiful day that we commemorate today yes. in our country. Yes. And we need to because it does. It seems like um, it's kind of lost its way. There's a big silence from the media that used to be a time when it was celebrated and honored and the whole community would be, be participating in it. But it's a new day and it needs to be represented and reset. And we need to know the truth about Dr. Martin Luther King. Alvita, are you there? I am here. Hello. Well, pray, praise the Lord. This is Jim and Joy. It's always a great blessing to be with you, our dear friend, sister in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a wonderful minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you heard the first part of the show. I know you're always interested in quotes related to your uncle and your, yeah. your dad, A.D. King, but it was by Ronald Reagan, and it was the day that uh, a law was established in our land to honor your uncle this day, January 15th, and the words of Reagan, I can't, I haven't memorized them, but we can get them to you if you didn't hear it at the first part of the show, were absolutely powerful, eloquent, affirming his work of reconciliation, equality of all people, and something that needs to be reminded generation by generation, Ronald Reagan said. And I think we're in one of those times where the, the work of Dr. King uh, needs to be well remembered. I mean, he's a Baptist minister, minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, believed in the sanctity of every human being, equality of all people, believed in forgiveness, believed in the power of God to make a change of people's lives. So you just go ahead, Alvita, reflect with us your thoughts today on the anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King and, and what you feel his legacy is, your dad's legacy, A.D. King, and why we need to hear that more than ever at this time. Many people don't realize that I was a state legislator in the 1970s and 1980s and that I was very instrumental in the process of having 
the Martin Luther King holiday become a federal holiday. As a state legislator in Georgia, we had to ratify across the state the holiday. And actually, with that wonderful opportunity, I introduced the bill in Georgia along with uh, State Representative Hosea Williams and I were the co-authors. And I was there when Reagan, (laughs) President Reagan, of course, signed the uh, bill into law. So it was all very exciting. And I do agree agree that generationally, from generation to generation, from decade to decade, and really on every platform available, including social media nowadays, if these messages are not transmitted through the generations, people will forget them. So I fully agree with that, and it's such a beautiful truth that Martin Luther King Jr., Jim, as we've discussed before, enjoyed, he was a preacher before right. he was a civil rights actor. Right. Yes. And uh, I think that's critical. He was a, an orthodox preacher of the Word of God, a man moved by Jesus Christ, moved by the Holy Spirit, and who believed that people could change, believed uh, in, in the forgiveness of sins, believed that people could be reconciled to one another, uh, without denying the truths that are there, that uh, African-American people didn't fully cash in yet on the promises of the Constitution, of equality and so on. And so let's work at this. Let's, let's own this. Uh, let's remain nonviolent and yet confront what's going on. And I'm afraid that today, as people look at hurts and wounds that were so demonizing of other people, and it's, it's, it's discrimination in a variety of ways, and it's almost as if nothing can change. White people can't change, in particular these days. Like, there's no hope for them. And you can never make enough restitution. But, you know, Dr. King was like, without denying prejudice and so on, was like, no, there's hope. There's hope for all of us. There's hope in God. You know, we're all created in the image and likeness of of God. We hold these truths to be self-evident. We're all created equal and so on. He believed those tenets. And I'm just wondering if some of the people that are confronting uh, sins that they believe are, are happening believe that people could be forgiven and can change. Well, this year in January 2024, people always say, what would Martin Luther King say if he were here? Well, he was saying those things that he believed. He, he held those truths in his time, and they're still on record as to how he felt and what he said. When he said, we must learn to live together as brothers, and I'll add his sister's joy, we uh, or perish together as fools. Now, interestingly enough, he correlated and tied that scripture to of one blood God created all people to live together on the face of the earth. So if we're one blood and one human race, we're not different races trying to get along. We are the human race. And that in itself is something that people forget as well. So we hold all of these truths to be self-evident, that we're one blood, one human race. And so people say, oh, well, in Christ and spiritually, Well, no. Scientifically and biologically, we're one blood and one human race. Now, there's another favorite from his Christmas sermon, and that was before his assassination in 68. The Christmas sermon, he talked about when you learn to value the human personality, you won't kill anybody. So that was so amazing. Or when he said that uh, injustice anywhere. is a threat to justice everywhere. The Negro cannot win if he's willing to sacrifice the futures of his children for immediate personal comfort and safety. Mm. And that doesn't, you know, people, I use that in the pro-life and sanctity of life discussion 
but that's on any level for any reason. Right. Yes. Yeah, that, well, why don't powerful. you speak to our family about the relationship between abortion, uh, pro-life work, and racism, and civil rights? When we look at the issue of sanctity of life, womb to tomb, into eternity, and Alan Parker, a strong attorney, said that uh, abortion is a crime against humanity, and it actually is. So if you think about we must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or parents together as fools, then Margaret Sanger, with her hatred of what she called the useless eaters, the Negro race, and colored people are like weeds and they need to be exterminated, but we don't want that word to get out. Mm-hmm. All of that racist thought led to an organization that has been responsible in modern history for the deaths of over 60 million babies, with one-third of those being black babies. And the Latino community was right on the edge of that, too, with Sanger's interpretation. So when we look at the issue of race, we look at the issue of integrity, we look at the economy, all of the issues that we examine, and the founder of Planned Parenthood who pretended Compassion, it was false compassion. We can have misplaced compassion or false compassion. And to say, oh, we're going to help your race by making sure that you don't have to have so many babies. And before abortion was legal, they had the Planned Parenthood and the contraceptives, and then abortion was legalized. And with the reversal of Roe v. Wade, it sent shockwaves across the nation and around the world. Joy. So mm-hmm. there is a correlation with all of these issues. I'll be in closing. Um, t- you know, a song popped into my mind, a phrase of the song. I'm not going to let anything turn me around. Ain't nothing that's going to turn me around. Just speak Ain't a word of it. Ain't going to let nobody turn me around. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and we, we've got to persevere. You persevere. We so admire you. And what are they going to turn us around from? We're just preaching that all people should live. That old people should live in harmony. Yeah, another song. Listen, Tom and Silas were bound in jail, had no money to pay their bill, keep their eye on the prize. Amen. Well, that's life as well. Amen. (laughs) Alvita, thank you so much. Thank you so much on the special day of of taking some time to impart once again the vision of your uncle, of your father, and really of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Keep up your great. You both are one of my favorite power couples in the Lord. Thank you. Bless you. We love you, dear. Thank you now. All right. She's just delightful. Yeah, she is delightful. And you know, Joy, one of the things uh, on this anniversary that I like to do periodically, well, on this anniversary, really, is that Father Joseph Mary Wolf shared with me some time back, I guess somebody wrote Dr. Martin Luther King uh, in 1964. Mm must have shared, you know, encouraged him, tried to encourage him. She must have been a Catholic because we have his letter mm-hmm. back to her. And, uh, and From the I, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Right, when he was the head of the Southern mm-hmm. Christian Leadership Conference. It's 1964. This letter is marked September 23rd. And, and he's responding to this woman who had written him. I think it's a beautiful letter from a number of levels. And I want to read it. A letter from Dr. Martin Luther King in the midst of all that he was going through in 1964. And he writes this lady back. He says, Dear Miss Blackburn, Thank you for your letter of recent date. It is always a pleasure to share the opinions of our friends of goodwill. My apparent negligence was due to the fact that I wanted to give your letter my personal attention 
and the tremendous volume of mail before me. Imagine how much mail mm -hmm. he was receiving. Mm -hmm. Not email, mail. Right. He has to open the letters, got to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he's thanking her. He says, I, I wanted to respond to you. He says, I appreciate very much your thoughtfulness in my behalf. The rosary, did you know Martin Luther King spoke about the rosary? The rosary has proven to be very helpful. Your letter warmed my heart and gave me new determination. Let us continue to work and pray together for a better world. Sincerely mm -hmm. yours, Martin Luther King Jr. How beautiful is that? That is so beautiful. And, and, and just encouragement and, 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 and tolerance and humility. And just to hear him talk about the rosary and the meaningful nature mm -hmm. of that. And he took the time to write this one lady in the midst of you know, the oh, millions of people my. that, that mm -hmm. know him. And one of the things I like to do, you know, I like to look back on old footage and interviews of Dr. Martin Luther King. You should do that. You should just search that and see that. To see his poise, to see his love, and the way he conducted himself, he lived what he believed about the sanctity of all people. Right. And I love in the closing of the letter, let us both live to make this world a better place. So as we go forward in 2024, family, I pray that we too pray our rosaries, that we believe that the best is yet to come, and that we keep our eyes on Jesus. So thanks so much. We'll be right back. There's plenty more to come. Don't go away. wrap up today's show, we're going to hear from Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchek with some parenting tips. Now, Greg and Lisa, what do you have for us today? So how often have you had this happen in your family? Hey, son, what'd you do in school today? Nothing. Or... You seem a little down. Do you want to talk about it? Everything's fine, gee. <laughs> it can be tough to get kids to open up. But here are a few ways you can open up those lines of communication in your household. First, you need to make time. You can't have meaningful conversations while you're picking them up from one activity and rushing off to take them to another. Create a daily talk time ritual in your family by prioritizing daily family meals or a daily family walk or even a simple snack time or some other activity that allows you to be together and actually talk to each other. Don't be afraid to say no to other activities that would prevent you from getting regular time to talk together. Second, let your kids warm up. Kids, especially teens, don't do well with let's share our hearts time. They want to know you are really interested in them, not just looking for an opportunity to deliver your latest lecture. Your kids will be more open to heart-to-heart -heart conversations if you build up to it by working on a project together or doing something else that takes the pressure off. Third, specific open-ended questions like, hey, how's that situation with your friend Ben going? We'll get you a lot further than, hey, how you doing? Finally, focus on listening, not lecturing or fixing. Show genuine concern. Ask questions. Concentrate on trying to understand things from their point of view. 
especially when that feels a little frustrating or scary to you. If your kids resist your efforts to offer guidance, back up, ask more questions. Focus on showing them that you want to understand them more than you want to fix them. The more you're willing to listen, the more they'll be willing to be led. Don't assume it's normal for your kids not to talk to you even boys. Kids, again, even boys, are actually eager to open up to their parents when they believe moms and dads are genuinely interested in what they have to say. For more tips on creating meaningful connection with your kids, check out our book, Parenting with Grace, the Catholic Parent's Guide to Raising Almost Perfect Kids. Thank you, Greg and Lisa. They're just fantastic. They're do, solid. Do so much for marriage and, and for the family. What a wonderful day this has been celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Dr. King shared so many words, he shared these words. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Only love can drive out hate. May this nation return again and again to the true love made manifest in Jesus Christ, that we all might live together in harmony mm -hmm. and in peace. Join us next time for an interview with Patrick O'Hearn and Brian Fager. We will be discussing how fathers who are navigating child loss can grieve, can heal, can find peace. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're an important part of the EWTN family. You're never alone. You're always at home with Jim and Joy. And go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ultimate love that can reconcile all people. God bless you and all of your loved ones. Keep it on EWTN. Bye now. <laughs>